0: Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavaston, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count.
1: And I'm mischievous Mark Janacchio, and I too own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals and Dan... Despite the topic of today's show, I'm kind of on the fence about these dot LRs and whether or not they count, but we'll get into that.
0: All right. All right. Well, hey, everybody, welcome (laughs) to the Amazing Spider Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. And thanks for joining us for this review episode of the all new Amazing Spider Talk.
1: Yes, today on the show, Dan and I will be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 51.lr and number 52 slash Legacy 853. But let's start with that amazing Spider-Man 51.LR, which is written by Nick Spencer and Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Federico Vincentini, colors by uh, Marcio Menez, and letters by VCs Ariana Mar, and a cover by Marcello Ferreira and David Curiel. And this issue was first released on November 4th, 2020. So let's get right into it.
0: What's new? yeah I mean, I guess the kind of first thing we should talk about, mark, is what how you open the show, which is your dubious nature about these l r issues. You know, I think the last <laughs> one seemed atypical because it was about Peter, and the back of the book suggested that Peter would not be appearing in these much anymore and and I think this issue, you know, pretty much you know lived up to that that idea. So you know what what do you think? like, what is this book now? Do you have a clearer idea of what this is?
1: You know, similar to those those .dot hu issues, which I mean, of course, they all focused on a different villain during the Hunted storyline. Where this kind of feels like we're just focusing on everyone else in the supporting cast, and you know, I guess this is you know, obviously, Last Rights. It, it's it's a big. Is it Last Rights or Last Remains? I'm sorry. Am I uh, <laughs> Last Remains? Last Remains, sorry. Woo, LR I mean, you know, I had a 50-50 shot, Dad. You know, Last Remains, it's obviously going to be a big story, and it's, you know, as we'll get into a little later, it's going to be a very Peter-centric story. I, I mean, I guess my little, my little snark in the beginning is, you know, at the same time, yeah, it's good to spend this time with the supporting cast, but it, it still feels like padding to me. Like, I'm just like, do we really need a whole issue dedicated to these little subplots that you know obviously it's going to it's going to focus in at some point but it kind of just feels like you know if you go back to like spider island back in the in 20 what was that 2011 2012 where it was like you know the venom story and like some of those mini it's like you know like it's it's fun and it gives you a little more illumination to be reading it these are for the most part these these plot points this is not what's driving my interest to this story. I want to see Spider-Man and Kindred, you know what I mean? So it's like kind of getting this other stuff is, is, you know, it, I, I get it, but I'm not like, oh, man, I can't, I, I, I got to keep reading the saga to see what, you know, Black Cat did with the hand of Ashanti today. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just I, I just don't know if I care that much about some of these little, other little plot beats. And I don't know if that makes me a bad fan or not, but that's just where I'm at.
0: No, I don't think that this is, like, A-level content. You know, it, it's not the main story. But I, I do appreciate this format of this. Like, you know, I feel like it allows the main story to kind of keep its momentum without having to kind of dip into these kind of beats. And and I think this story has its own momentum that's moving forward. I'm not, you yeah, know, I'm like I'm like you, I'm not as interested in this story as I am in the main one. But I think that's, like, apt considering... How they're naming this like if they were to call these regular issues of Amazing Spider-Man, I think it would be a little more disturbing. And, and I know that that doesn't make much sense considering, you know, it, it's a book like any other. But that dot LR does allow me to kind of just accept that this is some smaller thing that's going off on the side. But I think what I like about these, even though what's going on in them is kind of like sometimes really dark or really awful. I do think Matthew Rosenberg's writing is a bit lighter in what Nick Spencer is writing in the main title. And so it for me, breaking up those issues has kind of been nice. Uh, you know, like it it allows the tone to kind of bounce around a little bit and I don't feel quite so weighed down by the regular last remains story that's going on. In that regard, I do think that you know th- this has kind of been a fun counterbalance and and frankly, You know, maybe I'm just a sucker, but I I like getting a new Spider-Man book every week, or in this case, like two, (laughs) or whatever you want. You know, Spider-Man comic overload.
1: You know, to the point I was making just before. I mean, if my, I guess if my option is, you know, five or six issues like this, or like three or four different three-part miniseries, each, you know, like, oh, we're going to do a Black Cat Doctor Strange mini and, uh, and an MJ Norman Osborn mini and, you know, an Order of the Spider mini. Like, I- I'd rather have this, which is to say, like, you know, I think the other format, which, you know, I just mentioned was what we had been getting with these big spider events in recent years. So, you know, this is a little more streamlined and clean. And like you said, yeah, Rosenberg's Style is a, definitely a nice counterweight to Spencer's darker tones, and you know we're getting A plus art on this book, man. Like, like I, I think, I think the art has been great. Like, it doesn't feel like the B squad is is doing this. Especially, you know, Marcela Ferrera, especially he's just, you know, it looks great. These books look great. So, you know, overall, good stuff. I just, you know, I, I'm just not sure the stories themselves if I'm like on the edge of my seat reading this stuff. I, I, you know, that's, that's my criticism.
0: The art is enough to kind of keep me hooked. I mean, this guy, I think is really like a, a, a great team player. I mean, I, I don't know what necessarily what that means, but to me it's like uh, Marcelo Ferreira and, and F- Frederico Vicentini Vicenti- like th- this kind of like uh pairing is really uh, excellent. I do think the cover is weirdly misleading. Like the interior artist and the and the, the cover artist did not really pair up. But uh, Frederico Vincentini, to me, is like a, a superstar on this book. And I, I, I'm really enjoying his art. And it co- we cover so many different things in this book, from like bridge collapse to we'll get to the big reveal at the end. And all of it is done with kind of an appropriate level of pacing, whether it's like fast and, and, and light or like... Slow and brooding. I don't know how much that's the writer versus the artist, but I do. I do feel like these books are being very well handled. Uh, Marcio Menyes. I don't know this person in the colors, but I, you know, I, I think it's a great pairing here. I don't know if this is like an art team that kind of came together aboard this book, but you know, it, it feels like a kind of like a, a group of people that really know how to complement each other very well. So yeah, we want to get to some of the content in this book rather than hinting. You know more about it.
1: Let's start with the Sin Eater, who's the reports of his death by the hand of kindred were greatly exaggerated. He is alive and well here. Uh, he was rescued by his followers. He's still devoting himself to the cause, Dan. He's gonna he's gonna clean cleanse the sins. So Sin Eater's still on the board, I guess. If you know for those playing that game at home,
0: yeah. The big question is like, does he still retain his like his like sin sucking gun power? He had all those sins ripped out of him but it seems like he's still somewhat demonic even if he doesn't retain the like superpowers of the people that he stole all that stuff from based on the suggestion that we'll get to at the end of the book that you know he has some tactic it w- it would seem to Rob, you know these villains or whatever of their powers. I'm interested to see how that continues to play out. But like, for for all for all I'm concerned, like uh, Sin Eater is back on board for Spider-Man's villains, in, for the long haul. I mean, I don't know that he survives this storyline, but we do have a, an active Sin Eater back in the Spider-Man universe. It seems.
1: For whatever that's worth, for the people that were just you know needed needed Peter David's creation back. The other subplot we got introduced, as I referred to earlier, we had, you know, a fun little interplay with Black Cat and Doctor Strange. Obviously, I mean, it feels like Black Cat as a character is back to getting elevated again. I I, I think, obviously, the rehab that the character has experienced between, you know, obviously in the pages of ASM from Spencer and then her own ongoing series, which I guess is canceled, but is coming back at some point uh, during King and Black, I believe. Is that, am I mistaken with that, Dan?
0: Yeah, no, you're not wrong, um, and it seems like it's not just for a mini series. It's going to be retain its ongoing status. You know, count that amongst the female-led Spider books that get constantly rebooted. I, I'm I'm here for it, just so long as we get more issues of that book. Like in terms of
1: pairings that I would not have expected to enjoy. I mean, Black Hat and Doctor Strange is a fun one, right? I mean, I I, I enjoy you know you know the little the little. Cat and mouse, if you will, pun intended, I guess, with over the, the, the hand of the Shanti here. It was fun. I, I thought this was fun.
0: Yeah, and it's very brief. You know, we see them, and she's now tagging along, and then we leave them right behind. So then we pick back up with MJ, who has returned from Los Angeles, or was it Montana? I don't really know <laughs> based on how that series ended, but she's looking to reconnect with Peter and she kind of negotiates with her driver to kind of like get her some bagels and stuff and or at least get him bagels. And then suddenly, of course, it's it, it can't be MJ without her returning to New York and getting put in distress. Her car is destroyed. And who is there to rescue her from this attack fr- by the order of spiders who are destroying this bridge? None other than Norman Osborn, recently healed Norman Osborn. And Mark... My immediate thought was, oh great, we get another Norman lifting scene. But then also, how the hell did Norman know to be there for this?
1: His timing and and just knowledge of where to be at the right time is impeccable, I guess. I mean, you know, they obviously want to get Norman and MJ on the board together. And of course, Norman explains that, you know, this killer that's on, you know, that's that's going after Peter is, of course, Harry. And MJ is just kind of like in disbelief, because when did do we do we in the pages of ASM? Do we remember when MJ and and Harry were last together? Because she indicated that she just saw him, didn't she? Like it was kind of like a it wasn't a throwaway line, but she was like, "I that's impossible. I just saw him. He's fine."
0: I don't remember that necessarily, but I do. I have to imagine they saw each other in the pages of eight hundred.
1: That's that makes sense. So you know, and we'll we'll obviously get into some of this stuff when we talk about the kindred and Spider-Man stuff in, uh, 50, 52, but the kindred alarm, we can still sound it, even though we think we know what the answers are I, I, like that, that just, that, that to me kind of feels like it's important content there that, that there was some in, in, incredible in, incredulousness from, uh, from MJ about Harry being this sinister villain here. So just, just wanted to put that out there.
0: So, you know, Norman's teleporting abilities and and spider tracer abilities aside, we return to the Sin Eater, who we teased earlier is trying to regain some kind of powers. He suggests that he is going to still keep up with the task of Kindred, which is to cleanse the world of sin, starting with the spiders, right, that are attacking the city. And... Boy, oh boy, he's going to go after a very large prey to help him do so. And that is none other than Moreland. Mark, what did you think when you saw this?
1: Honestly, I mean, this was kind of one of the big eye roll moments for me of this book. I got to be honest, I, I did read Spidergeddon when it came out, but its impact on me was probably, you know, next to zero. So I don't actually even remember how that all wrapped up and what what came of Moreland and the Inheritors. But like so seeing him back, I was kind of like, all right, I guess he's still he's clearly still alive. But like, I don't know, like I wasn't really ready to do the mental gymnastics of how that would be. And I don't know if it's a big no prize worthy situation or not. I, I mean, is your memory a little better than mine on that one, Dan?
0: yeah so at the end of spider geddon all the inheritors were captured and they used the like aging de-aging technology to turn them into babies but moreland was left out of that because spider-man had fought him independently at like the central park zoo so he like traps him in this thing that looks like a iron maiden and calls the police to come and like apprehend him which i don't think is the smartest of ideas considering it's Morlin. He's trapped in this Iron Maiden thing, and it appears that Moreland was able to escape. Now, Mark, you and I have already read 52.LR, but we're not doing a review of that tonight. In that book, it's revealed that he broke free from that and got out. I think it's kind of silly that Moreland escaped off panel and nobody bothered to follow up on that, but like, fine, it's comics. This kind of thing happens all the time. For me, it was like, okay, I'm glad that Moreland is still a a villain that we can play with and he wasn't destroyed like the rest of the Inheritors, which I'm thankful for. I never really liked the Inheritors, but I do still like Moreland in concept. For me, this was a big out of left field, and my bigger concern was more like, are we getting too big here with this story? It felt focused, and now we're bringing in the Inheritors or something like that. But then at the same time, I think back to Spider Island... And I think, OK, well, that storyline really incorporated stuff from every era of this title into it in a natural way. And, and you know, maybe there's a way we're we're dealing with a lot with, of a lot of JMS themes. So maybe there's a way they're going to tie it in. And it, I, I don't want to ruin our review for 52.LR, but I thought that what they did with Moreland there was kind of interesting. Speaking of Spider Island. So. I'm more willing to go for the ride, but initially from these pages, as cool as they looked and as thrilled as I was to see one of my favorite villains, you're right. It was totally out of left field.
1: You know, Not to jump ahead, but even with some possible interesting plot developments in the next issue of this, of this offshoot series here. I mean, like, I don't know, like I, I I'm not trying to be too precious with my Spider-Man rogues gallery here, but like, you know, like stuff like this makes me worry if we're, kind of diminishing the importance of Moreland, because, I mean, like, you know, we went from this character being a special attraction a la when Venom first came on the scene in the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, to, to the fact that, like, he's now, like, showing up in offshoot series, you know, even if he's got a a, a major subplot going on here, it's like, you know, this, this guy was, you know, like, kind of, at one point you know this un unkillable unbeatable foe and now it's like you know he can't even bother to confront the main hero of of the book anymore because he's got other stuff going on it just it just i don't know like to me it seems like it's the further cheapening of a character that once was a special attraction and i always kind of my heart always sinks a little bit about that because it's like you know i feel like when you create something that's that unique and that kind of like a big deal when he shows up, you don't, you don't want to dilute it. And I feel like this is the diluting of Moreland continued.
0: And I am totally sensitive to that. And I think, you know, you're more, you're more right than, than, than I am to be excited by just seeing his reappearance. Um, Like my bigger fear would be that he gets the juggernaut treatment in this book, which is, he just gets a shotgun blast and he becomes just a, a power set for this character to wield. I mean, if it elevates Sin Eater, fine, but I, I didn't need Sin Eater elevated more than I needed Moreland brought back as a serious foe. I think there, yeah, you're right. It is, it, is, it is wise to use caution on things like this. But at the same time, I do think that like villains appear and reappear. You know, if we had kind of left Dr. Octopus to just be who he was when he showed up in ASM three, you know, would we have ever gotten him marrying Aunt May? I mean, what would the world be like without that? (laughs) I mean, villains can, can be, can be elevated and, you know, de-elevated or ever at whim. So it doesn't really worry me all that much, but you're right. Overusing something can lead to it being cheapened. It's something to keep an eye on.
1: Do we want to do a quick grade on this before we go to 52, or do we want to wrap everything up at the end?
0: I'm gonna give this one like a C plus.
1: I am same as you. C plus on this. I mean, like I said, some fun sequences, some other eye rolly stuff. But let's 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 get to the let's get to the main course here, which is uh, Amazing Spider Man number fifty two. Well, why don't you why don't you intro it, Dan? I don't want to step on your line here.
0: So yes, next we're going to be talking about Amazing Spider Man Volume five number fifty two. That's Legacy eight fifty three for those of you counting which, as I say every week, you all are. It's written by Nick Spencer. It's got art by Patrick Gleason and covers by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There's our old friend. And a cover by Patrick Gleason and Edgar Delgado. And the issue was first released on November 11th, 2020, along with another issue, which we'll be talking about next week. So, Mark, Amazing Spider-Man number 52, Let's just go big broad thoughts And I think this is going to be at one of those issues For big broad thoughts Because maybe it's a little light on plot when, when you
1: actually like kind of like lay out Well what happened in this issue It's not a lot But, but what we get here is, is a big moment I think for this book And for this run And for Nick Spencer I mean we finally get The Spider-Man kindred confrontation So you know sound all the kindred alarms and bells That you want We got it Um, You know, we kind of came back to the theme that uh, we've been hitting both in this book and if you read any of the interviews that Spencer has given, well, that one specifically from CBR, you know, Spider-Man says, who are you? And it's not, you know, Kindred's reply. It's not who I am. It's how I got here. And I think like that is these are words that I think we need to hold on to because I have a feeling that. When it comes to this character, Dan, what we think we know so far and the predictions that we've made so far, I think we're still in line for some swerves, don't you think?
0: I I think so, too. If it's to be as straightforward as presented, which I don't even know if it's truly that straightforward, you know, I I think that would be a a big letdown. And I I don't think the story is guiding us towards really thinking this is just something as Pat as Harry Osborne under this mask, if you will. You know, this issue really brought back to mind for me our our Shush name, because like this is the issue where Kindred most resembled Hush to me. And and I I do miss our Shush name for for Kindred. But, you know, I'm just going to say it. Sound the biggest Kindred alarm of all. Because the moment, you're right, Mark, has finally come, Peter and Kindred face off For my money, I thought it lived up to the hype. I mean, I don't think it justified the wait time, but like if it took this time to get Patrick Gleason lined up to draw this book, then so be it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean, Gleason's been knocking it out of the park for months now, but yeah, I mean, like his his kindred is absolutely terrifying and, you know, in terms of the actual sequence, the fight between him and Spider-Man. I mean, like you know, Spidey doesn't have a doesn't have a shot, and and yet, it, it, like you know, I sometimes get annoyed. I think we talked about this a lot during Spider Spider Verse way back when, where I what I would talk about, like the what I refer to as the Hope Spot. You know, like like okay, you know, when you're going against unstoppable villains, you 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 kind of need to know. Where the WAP rat size Weakness in the defense system of the Death Star Is so you know that there's a shot And you don't get that here with Kindred at all but like I think After all of this build and all of this Time and all of the threats There shouldn't there shouldn't be Yet a WAP rat sized uh, Hole in the Death Star you know What I mean so I mean Kindred just Wipes the floor with them and, and You know which again you know if you think It's Harry Osborn even with some kind of souped up powers, like that's gotta give you pause that this character could just kick Spidey's rear end so thoroughly here, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it, get, it this thing is really reminding me of coming home. I mean, speaking of Moreland, we really have like this kind of Spider-Man against the impossible villain. But also this reminds me of Superior number nine, which which is like that moment in the dreamscape of true failure for Peter a sort of like unrecoverable disaster. And this issue feels like that. It's the pit of your stomach. He's not coming back from this folks uh, moment in the book. Now, I don't know that it hits quite as hard as Superior Nine did. Like, I don't feel like all hope is completely lost in the way that I did in, in that book, or at least in the way that I kind of pretended to do in that book, because, you know, there was always hope for Spider-Man so long as a book is published with his name on it. This is maybe the highest stakes we've gotten in this run. And, and I thought it really delivered, you know, and, and, and a lot of that is the art. But that, that's just not to shirk the writing, too, because, you know, the, the parry of words is equally palpable, I feel like, in this, this book.
1: You, got, you really do have to question what's real. I think this happened, but it's not happening the way we see it as happening, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like this is like, like the threat to Spider-Man is real. No matter, like, I don't think that is false, and I think you know. But like, you know, is this physically happening in a in a physical sense, or is this something more like kind of metaphysical, or or you know, in, in some kind of other realm, if you will? And and that's not entirely clear, and that's kind of, I think, in some ways, maybe raises the stakes even more because we're not, you know, Spider-Man is not fighting on, on solid earth here. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's that, that, that elevates the, 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 the the stake level tremendously in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I kind of come down on this being the dreamscape ultimately, like most of this fight, you know, I don't know if that means that if Kindred ever dug up those corpses or not. I mean, that seems like a very physical act to do to dig up those corpses Whereas in other moments in this book, he seems like he's able to kind of control and conjure up whatever he wants. Specifically, I'm thinking of when Kindred shoves Spider-Man through a mirror. To me, that is like pure fantasy. And on the other side of the mirror is Spider-Man waking up by the Queensboro slash Brooklyn Bridge or George Washington. Whatever you want, to, uh, whatever bridge in New York that they, these things are occurring on. You know, so I'm inclined to think that most of the book is in the dreamscape up until the end. But like I said, that the, those bodies seem very physical, and we actually get some of the names for the bodies here. And it's kind of the typical cast of like people that have died under Peter's watch, including Uncle Ben, whose decomposing body I don't know that I ever needed to see, but there it is. I think there's a few corpses we didn't get names on. Like I don't didn't see anybody that had the Hitler hair. That we were talking about last ep- episode So I'm still kind of a little foggy on who some of those other people are um, Is that Charlemagne? I, I-, I don't know
1: yeah, It's the second second week in a row you've mentioned Charlemagne, Dan You want Charlemagne, you you want Charlie
0: <laughs> I do, I, I very much do I mean, uh, that's one of those like weird things that gets referenced in the history of these books Or more referenced more recently when I don't think really anybody has read that book. Like, it's one of those things that's, like, really niche, and yet gets referenced more than you'd think. What's interesting here is that, like, Kindred seems to finally tie together what's going on between all of them, which is that, like, he's brought them all here because Spider-Man killed them, and they're all family, or Kindred, if you will. You know, to me, that's, like, maybe some of the bigger clues that we've gotten about, like, kindred and and his goals it's, you know it, it's all about who spider-man i guess like uh, would tangentially killed or his life or his his existence affected their lives in some way although i think that's a little bit unfair on uncle ben because i think if spider-man didn't exist he would still have died it's just that spider peter didn't act but anyway what did you what was your reaction to this i mean is this just in keeping with what we've kind of suspected all along
1: We've dealt with these storylines before in terms of Peter's failures and what do they mean to him. But like this, this really kind of seems like the granddaddy of them all. Like, like we're just like this truly seems to be the the physical manifestation of all of Peter's failures. And I'm not saying that that to go jump to is Kindred truly Harry or not. I just mean like, like Kindred seems to kind of be fueling on. All of these various fa- failures in a way that that others haven't, you know, like like we we we've kind of like dealt with these failures individually over the years, you know, like kind of like the the floating heads of guilt that that come at Peter at various points in his story, but like we 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 are yet to have a villain that can kind of use all of them against him in a way. So that that to me is kind of the wrinkle with this character, right? I mean, like we've never really had a villain that could just. I mean, outside of Doc Ock occupying Peter's brain. But even then, I don't feel like – I don't know if we got this kind of sequence from Doc Ock during that, during that run, right?
0: No. I mean, the only thing I can think of is like not even a villain. It's more thematic, which is like the, the no one dies stuff kind of ties into this idea. But th- that's not a, you know characterized.
1: No, that's more that's more like I said, that's the floating heads of shame thing, you know what I mean like we, we, we've we we've of guilt, we've gotten that a ton of times. I mean, like there, there there's so many stories where Peter is looking back and I have failed this person, I have failed that person. I mean, no one dies was a great kind of manifestation of all that, but like like kindred to me seems to be the first villain to kind of be grabbing all of these moments and bringing I mean he's literally bringing them together at the table with all these corpses and saying this is this is this is your failure Peter in front of you which again so so that you know let's let's stop tap dancing here Dan I mean do we are we like I was you know hey I could say I was right and and hold on to the idea that Kindred is some kind of manifestation of Harry Osborn right I mean that's what we learned 2 issues ago when Andrew, is Harry. But, like, I think it's something much deeper and, and greater than that, right? With, with, with the way this is being worded. I mean, like, the words really matter here. The visuals really matter here. There's, there's, some, there's something more than just Harry going on here.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to keep reiterating the thing that I've kind of been saying from the beginning is that I think that this is Nick Spencer's way of finally addressing one more day directly. There's these hellish elements. And by the end of this story, which we'll talk about, I think we're really going to go straight to the heart of it. Like we're literally going to go there and, and, and deal with it, especially if you've seen the preview pages for issue 53, um, which really get into one more day. I, I just think that like, if it's Harry, if it's all these people, whatever the deal that Peter made with Mephisto was and its effect on the world around him and how that was driven by guilt versus responsibility. Like to me, that's at the heart of all this and you know, maybe Harry is the greatest representation of some aspect of that, but I'm much more inclined to believe that the Harry thing is still maybe a red herring and Norman is experiencing that because Harry is his greatest guilt. In some regard, I mean, I I would not be displeased if it was Harry and there. And and I think that that's more likely than not that it is Harry. I do think one more day is going to play into the heart of this, whether it's the marriage personified or whatever. It's whatever that deal that Peter made and why he made that deal that um, kind of cuts to the heart of all of this. And I, I think the end of this issue really strongly leans into that. Should I talk about that now or do you want to hold back on that? Well, no, as I
1: was say. So speaking, so speaking of deals here. So I mean, just to kind of you know catch us up plot wise. So you know, you know, we we do have kind of Spider-Man rallying at one point, and and Kindred even kind of mocks him about it, saying, "Oh, it's just you know here's the part where Spider-Man overcomes the odds." And then of course, like you know, Peter goes through a sequence where it looks like he's he's putting a dent in the armor, and then he's he's quickly subdued again by Kindred. I mean, like again, just just gets torn apart for the most part and and that brings us to you know the scene outside with the order of the spider and they're all demonically possessed and and causing havoc and we have spider gwen throwing miles off the bridge name your bridge (laughs) um and and peter cuts another deal and and it's 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 fascinating how he keeps cutting deals here right dan
0: Yeah, I mean, that has to be intentional, right? So, like, he's cutting a deal and there's even, like, the handshake being extended. And, you know, Kindred seems to know that, like, Peter would do this. And uh, to me, this is, like, the ultimate trap, right? And the deal is that Peter wants all of them to be saved and for him to die, right? He's willing to sacrifice himself uh, for all of them. You know, they're all saved. And Kindred does exactly that, which is then he kills Peter by snapping his neck, you know, a la a la Gwen Stacy, which is a great moment, uh, like, you know, in terms of like what a what a stinger for an end of an issue. But to me, it's like, you know, I, I, I expect the next issue to open up in some version of hell. Right. I mean, like, that's where we're going. Right. We're going to hell and Peter is going to confront this demon that he made a deal with and that in those decisions, I mean, to me, that's the only place this could go. Is is that what you're thinking, Mark?
1: When Peter made the initial deal with Mephisto with uh, his marriage, I mean, you know, one of the ramifications of that deal or consequences, if you will, seem to be the resurrection of Harry. This is all connected. It's, it's it, like, I don't know exactly how Spencer is going to connect all of these Dots but it seems to me It's we're, this is so Intentional like I don't even know Like it, it's not subtle At all Dan I mean like we're, we're, we're going To hell like you say and And you know we're, we're, we're going To learn now exactly What kind of hell Peter has unleashed In making these deals Because it does seem like he is You know for someone who is so noble and true he he does seem to kind of want to even when he's quote-unquote sacrificing himself it's like he he is he is looking for shortcuts to to get to to get to the ends that he wants you know even you know like you know yes it's it's selfless that he's ready to sacrifice himself to save his friends here but like you know why is he making a deal with the other demonic presence? You know what I mean? Like, 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 like it's it, it it never works. This is the oldest story in in literature. You know, like you you make a deal with the devil, it doesn't work out for you. <laughs> like you never get what you want.
0: <laughs> I thought the mirror imagery was really interesting in in this issue. I mean, we'll talk about imagery in general in this issue because we can't not talk about Patrick Gleason. You know, Kindred suggests, like, not only am I all your ghosts that live on through me, but also that, like, you know, his, Peter's greatest enemy is always himself. Like, it's like fighting his reflection in a mirror. And I do think that maybe there is a version of this that ends with Kindred being, like, some iteration of Peter. And I know people have suspected that. But, you know, I, I wonder if this character just takes on the appearance of, like, whatever your greatest guilty sin is or whatever you know and and that's why norman is so convinced it's harry and and so on and so forth you know there is still a mask on this character for a reason and and, and i i do suspect that we we will see under that mask and it will be something uh what do you think of patrick gleason overall in this issue because i mean we've been gushing about this guy i could gush more about this individual title
1: I hesitate to say this is, like, the best art we've gotten on this book in a while because, you know, Stuart Eminen still exists, and I loved what him and Slot were doing towards the end of their run there on this book. But, like, I mean, like, you know, no disrespect to, to Ryan Otley, who did some wonderful stuff here with Spencer, but, like, this is – like, this pairing with Gleason here is perfect. You know what I mean? Like, Gleason is just just – Absolutely capturing the moment and the themes, and 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 driving this stuff home. Like you said, the mirror imagery throughout this book, you know, it, it's not subtle. It's so masterfully rendered, and the fight s- sequences between him and Kindred. I mean, Kindred needs to be terrifying to sell the sell the threat here, and this Kindred artistically is terrifying. Like it's it's kind of this. <laughs> You know, and again, like not to keep coming back. It's an amalgamation of like all of Spider-Man's villains. It seems like you know, like he's got the tentacles of of Doc Ock and the 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 just the chaotic nature of the Goblin and the and you know, it's just all of these things kind of coming together visually in 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 one you know in one embodied in one character and and Gleason is just nailing it every 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 which way.
0: Even just like the little visuals like the spider facing up against the centipede took me back to like Craven's Last Hunt with the kind of spider rat imagery that was very effective in that book. The kind of full page splashes here of Spider-Man like, like fighting Kindred and the tentacles weaving and the layouts that like go backwards and forwards. Uh, You know, you feel completely unmoored In space by by the images But it's always easy to read I'm never confused by following it It's like the best of every different Spider artist Kind of combined It's got that kind of grounded weight to it That, uh, you know, gives it real uh, consequence But then it's also got the fanciful Superhero things I love the redesign of Spider-Man's eyes As by Gleason I think like any Like really standout Spider-Man artist redesigns the eyes to fit them in some way. And Gleason's are big and white and they've got these little like fringe on the ends of them that gives them this kind of like stylist, stylistic, uh, you know, kind of thing. And, and it's just like a level of care, like that, like that suggests that this guy has wanted to draw this character enough that he's begun deviating in his own way of how he puts it on the page. I'm still not sold by his Peter. Quite yet, to me, Peter is still kind of bland, but man, this guy in superheroes, you know, I, I, I love this darkness that he's getting, and I'm hopeful at the end of this story we can get some light with Gleason as well, because his Superman stuff was so optimistic and empowering in a way that a Superman comic should be, but I also want to see his approach with that with Spider-Man, just because a Spider-Man can be optimistic here and there. I'm here for the crazy uh, uh, Gleason stuff I mean that page of Spider-Man breaking through the glass The full page splash of the glass Shattering and him falling into darkness I mean iconic Takes me back to the superior stuff with those Web pages of of Peter and all of his memories You know it's like the the contrasted Opposite of that
1: Do you want to give this one a grade Or uh, do you got anything else you want to pick up on here
0: not really. I mean, I, I am I am there for next week. I can't wait to see how this thing continues. This book is on a streak, and I, you know I think, gosh, this is hard. I want to give this thing an A, but I think it's like an A minus just because it's not like uh, like we we haven't gotten to the heart of this yet. We're getting there. Uh, this thing is like an A A minus for me.
1: See, I see. I I I have a similar sentiment to you, but like I'm giving this a B plus. No, this is great this was absolutely great but like i feel like like you said like i i want to save the higher grades for what i think is coming because i think like i think we're i don't want to i don't want to raise the bar too high i think more better stuff is is coming down the pipeline uh but the fact of the matter is like you know in contrast to what we got with hunted which was i think kind of a letdown after a great opening chapter like like Truly, this is what Spencer has been building towards because like like there is a lot of care and craft in these first two issues of this story thus far. And, and you know, I, I am absolutely excited to see where this goes.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't want to applaud before the magician pulls the bunny out of the hat, you know, but like I'm, I'm really enjoying the magician showmanship right now so you know i am these are all i'm I'm almost ready to give it
1: give it what you want give it what your heart wants dan
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my heart wants to love spider-man comics so I, i you know and i feel like we're we're here and we hope that you guys listening at home are enjoying these like as much as we are because you know when we like comics i i think it's a good time for all
1: all right dan well it is that time Time for all good things to come to an end, so we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning into this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk.
0: Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer, and our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. This episode was originally released on our Patreon. Go check it out. We did it as a live stream hangout back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support our show's continued existence and these reviews while joining us on the live stream or getting it in your podcast feed, why not head on over to our Patreon and sign up? We got a great community over there. So, Mark, until we're left pleading for death from a twisted representation of our own worst sins, namely giving Flash Thompson a co-hosting spot on the show, what is our motto?
1: Alright Dan, Daffa Dan. <laughs> Of course our motto is With great podcasts There must also come The amazing Spider Talk Don't,
0: don't miss the next installment It's like I whiskey. heard a ghost. It's like I heard a ghost. Just come back. <laughs>